are listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you, no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Good afternoon or good evening. Good to see you all. It's really a privilege to be here. And um, uh, you may have been at the service last Sunday. It was a delight to be able to have the joint service last Sunday. And I just uh, had a chance to say there and reflecting on that, what we're doing as churches right now is new ground for me, this idea of even collaborating on a sermon series like this where we're actually doing the same sermons in, the, in, in two churches over a six-week period. Um, never done that before, and it's been so encouraging. I believe the Lord is at work doing something special, unique uh, amongst our churches, and it's just been such a delight to be collaborating with Justin and, and Edward and at different points, Tom and, and others of you. And I look forward to just pressing on together and, and pursuing what God's will and plan is for us with the, the possibility of uniting together. As, um, as we've talked about this series, um, we do believe that understanding what the kingdom of God is all about and how to live in it is vital for any Christian at any time and especially for us living here in these times. And so Justin did a great job last week opening up uh, this six-part series explaining what the kingdom is. Tonight, I'm going to be focusing on how the kingdom is today, how the kingdom is here and now. But part of what's complicated about this kingdom is it's two things. It's both here and it's coming. It's now and not yet. It's the presence of the future. And so, so next week, Justin will be, be focusing on that future part of it. And so we're sort of laying this foundation over three weeks. And then we're going to have three weeks that are going to be application-oriented uh, in terms of what difference does this make? How, how does this affect how we live as citizens here in, in the kingdom of this world while we're actually kingdom uh, citizens in, in an eternal kingdom waiting for the city that is to come? I want to recommend uh, George Ladd's book, The Gospel of the Kingdom. Um, the first three chapters in that are just worth their weight in gold. Some books have a longer shelf life than others, and that's one that's a keeper. So The Gospel of the Kingdom by George Ladd. I, wanna, um, I know Justin prayed, but I, I, I want to pray as, as, as we get started here. So please just join me as we pray. O oh God, our Father, we greatly desire that your name be hallowed, that your name be made holy in our city, in our families, in our homes, in our businesses, in our hearts. And so we pray tonight, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen. As I mentioned a moment ago, the thing that's surprising about the kingdom of God, or one of the things that's surprising, is that it's both now and not yet. It's right here in the middle of this world, but where it's in the middle of a kingdom that it's in conflict with. Understanding the, the now and not yet nature of the kingdom can help us sort out things that could otherwise be confusing. Have you ever wondered, why is it that the world can seem so largely unaffected by Jesus? Billions of people don't serve him. The world can still be a mess. Why is that? Why, on the other hand, is it 
that we see this incredible, supernatural, dramatic, eternal transformation going on in the hearts and lives of people like, like us here today and countless others. Well, the kingdom is both now and not yet. It's present, but it's not fully here. And Jesus loves talking about the kingdom. As Justin noted last week, it's, it's probably his favorite topic to talk about. In fact, we're in Luke chapter 8 tonight, and the ver first verse in this chapter says that Jesus was going about through the cities and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, when he's doing that, if you were there hearing one of those sermons, what do you suppose he's talking about? What is this kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? If somebody asked you, what is the kingdom of God, what would you say? And Justin provided a definition last week that I want to just reread tonight, and that is, the kingdom of God is the redemptive reign of King Jesus. It's the redemptive reign. Those are words we, that are weighty. We want to get a hold of those. It's the redemptive reign of King Jesus begun or announced at his birth, completed at his return and enjoyed by his people. So it's this redemptive reign. The reign, a king reigns. A king has authority to rule and to rule over people. And Jesus' reign is redemptive in the sense that he reigns in a way that restores, that buys people back from slavery to sin and a kingdom of darkness and brings us back into fellowship with God bringing us ultimately home to be with him. That kingdom he's proclaiming here in Luke chapter 8, it's here now, but it will be fulfilled and completed when he comes back. And we look forward to that. So, as I said this, this evening, we're focusing on the now, the today, the here part of the kingdom. And this parable that Jesus tells in Luke 8 is one of the best places to go to see the nowness of the kingdom. If you've been in church for a while, if you've read through the Bible, you may be familiar with this story. Jesus loves telling stories. He's a great storyteller. Some of the stories that he tells, he calls parables. Parables are just short stories that use something that you know to explain something new for you. And so today's story has to do with a sower with seed and soil. And so I want to just kind of illustrate how this story works. I was actually, I didn't intend this, but last Sunday I was actually doing what's in this story. I've got this grass seed, I've got this lawn, and every summer it seems like big parts of it die. And so I get this grass seed and I go out and I start throwing the grass seed, right? You gotta find the bald spots and you gotta throw the grass seed and some of it, well, I try not to throw it on the driveway because it's not gonna do much here, is it? But some of it does end up on the sidewalk, some of it ends up maybe in the street, but some of it ends up over in the grass and some of it ends up in kind of the gravelly areas and some of it ends up on those bald spots and hopefully by now or in the next few days it's going to start sprouting. Hopefully it sprouts before the big rain from some hurricane or whatever comes and washes it all away and that seems to happen sometimes too. So what happens when a farmer in the first century Palestine goes out into his field is kind of like what I was doing in my backyard last week. He's walking around in a field and he's throwing seeds out just like that. And there's a path over here that people walk on. And there's some shallow, rocky, gravelly areas over here. And there's a part of the, of the farm that the soil's pretty fertile, but it's full of seeds that have all kinds of thorns and, and bushes and other plants in them. And some of, it, some of the farm 
is really good soil without much else to, to bring competition to it in there. And so as he goes out there and he throws these seeds out, these seeds find differing results, right? And so some of it lands on that path. Some of it lands on the driveway. Nothing's going to happen. The squirrels are going to get it. That's what happens in my yard a lot. The squirrels get it. Some, some of it's going to land on this rocky soil. And what's going to happen there is the soil warms up fast, the plant sprouts, but there's not much depth to it. So when that hot sun comes out, the plant just withers. It doesn't have any roots. Some of it's going to land where there's a lot of competition and the plant comes up, but other plants come up too. And then they're fighting for the moisture in the soil and fighting for the sunlight. And before you know it, your little seed that turned into a plant, it doesn't make it very far and it dies. And then finally, some of it, some of this seed finds good soil and returns a hundredfold fruit. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I would think that a grass seed that could make a hundred new seeds, that's pretty unusual. A wheat seed that could do that, that's a lot of seed from, uh, a lot of return from one seed. And what you want to look for in a parable, one of the interpretive keys is, what's the surprise? Because a lot of times there's a surprise in the parables, and a lot of times the surprise is at the end. And here, the surprise is, that when the seed bears fruit, it's unbelievable how fruitful it turns out to be. So what's it all mean? Well, I'm glad the disciples were hanging around Jesus because they heard the story and they were like, that was a cool story, what's it mean? And they asked him and we get the answer. It says in verse 9, the disciples asked him what the parable meant and he said, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom but for others, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying something very important. I want you to get this. He's saying this story has something to do with his kingdom. Do you know what it is? Grab a hold of this question and hang on to it, because I hope by the end of this sermon you can answer this question. What is the secret of the kingdom that Jesus is teaching in the parable of the four soils? We want to know the answer to that question. He says, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. And the disciples are all like, yeah, right. And could you tell us a little more so we could just remember what that secret is? Because it's not actually clear right now. And I'm glad they ask questions like that because I can be like that too. And so then he goes on to say, look, here's what's, here's what's happening. Some people like you are going to get secrets of the kingdom from this. You're going to understand more about God and grow in that. And some people, as the word of God comes to them, what's going to happen? They're not going to grow towards God. They're not going to bear fruit. They're actually going to become more hardened in their unbelief. He says, for some, they will hear this and seeing they may not see. It's not that God is hiding it from them. It's that they're choosing to move away from the revelation that God is bringing of himself to them. So the word of God can have that effect. I can speak this word of God tonight and some people can hear and, and grow and some people can say, ah, I'm not interested and actually move farther away from it. That's what's happening here. And this is happening, if you think about it, every time Jesus gets up and preaches, his preaching meets with this kind of mixed response. And he illustrates that response through these four soils. So these four soils are people. And so what he's saying is, people, each one of you is some kind of dirt. Which kind of dirt are you? That's the question you want to ask yourself right now. So as we go through these four soils, the question we want to be asking is, which kind of hearer am I? 
If all these people hear the same words and they respond in different ways, which one of these four soils best describes what's going on in me? And so here are the, here are the four soils. First, he describes this path in verse 12. Look back there with me, please. He says, in, in verse 12, he says, The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Jesus wants us to know that he has an enemy, an adversary whose name is Satan, the devil. And he works constantly to keep people from giving much thought to this gospel of the kingdom. When the good news of Jesus is preached by Jesus himself in settings like that, churches like in settings like this, the devil loves to get involved in moments like this and get people distracted with wandering thoughts. What am I going to do when the meeting's over? Is so-and-so here? What's on my phone right now? He loves to distract people so that that word doesn't get taken into the heart where it can then begin to bear good fruit. The second kind of soil, he says, is this seed that falls among these rocks. Verse 13, hear the word. These are people who hear the word. They receive it. How? What's it say? With joy. Okay, so there's this positive response to it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. So here's a question. Why do some people get excited about Jesus and later walk away? Ever seen that happen? Why is it that sometimes you see somebody get baptized, or become a church member, or give a testimony, or just hang around with other Christians, and they, they express joy and excitement about Jesus and the kingdom of God, but then later they walk away. Why is it that that happens? Well, one reason is given right here. They walk away because they lack depth of root. The word doesn't make it very deep in their hearts, and in a time of testing, they walk away. Now, what kind of testing are we talking about? Well, maybe it's the kind of testing like overt persecution. And we should pray. Let us pray for our brothers and sisters in places like Nigeria who are under great pressure, persecuted. Pray for deep roots and perseverance. So maybe it's that kind of, uh, of testing. Or maybe it's the kind of testing that comes from just realizing, okay, if I'm a Christian, that means he, it's his kingdom, not mine. That means he's on the throne and I'm not. And as that starts to work out in life, sometimes people are like, I'm not sure I'm good with that. I kind of like being in control. I like being in charge. Maybe it's that kind of testing. Whatever the testing is, this person lacks depth of root. The word hasn't made it very deep in their lives, and so they give up. They fall away. The third is a little different. This, fall, this is a seed that falls among the thorns. It's actually good ground. It's ground that's able to produce lots of plants, but, get this, there's a lot of competition for the life of the kingdom in this person's heart. And so what happens is, these other plants grow up around the good plant, and they suck up all the water, and they block out the sun, and the plant stops growing. Here's a question. What is the competition in life that can choke out the life of a kingdom in a person's heart? What is it? You see the three things Jesus says? It's the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. 
Hear that. These are Jesus' words. The cares and the riches and the pleasures of life are in competition with the life of the kingdom of God. Prosperity and pleasure can be as deadly as persecution and trial. And we need to hear this loud and clear. Tune into this. Because this means you live in a very, very dangerous place. Do you know that? Do you know that living in Northern Virginia is a very dangerous place? Why? Because it's filled with cares and riches and pleasure. And those things can compete with the Word of God and the Kingdom in people's hearts. So soils one, two, and three, they're all a little different, but they actually all have one thing in common. What is it? What it is is that the seed never gets to its intended destination. It never becomes mature. It doesn't bear fruit. The contrast is in soil number four. Look at verse 15. They are those who, I hear these, this is sweet, let this sink in. They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. I love those words. They hold fast, this word. They hold it tight. Everything depends on this. Life itself depends on this. The future depends on this. I'm holding fast to this word, keeping it in my heart. And the life that does that, the person that gets the word in there and hangs on to it, bears fruit, not just for an hour or in a meeting or for a day, but for a long time, for weeks and months and years and decades. They bear fruit with patience over the long haul. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is saying, can you hear me now? Do you have ears? Can you understand what I'm saying? Is this making its way into your heart? What kind of soil are you? There's an invitation here to self-reflection. So I just just want to encourage, let's let's just slow down for just a moment and ask yourself, just consider carefully. Try and set aside, what, if you're being distracted right now, just, just do your best to try to set aside whatever might be distracting you and slow down and just ponder, what is the condition of your heart? Is it hard? Is it dry? Is it weedy? Lots of competition, lots going on there? Or is it a heart that's, a good heart that's laying hold of, getting the Word of God in there, hanging on to it and living it out. Maybe there are some here who aren't followers of Jesus. And if you're one of those folks here or watching, thanks for being here. You are welcome in, uh, and amongst these people. Please keep coming back. Jesus is speaking to people like you about his kingdom. And he's saying, look, this kingdom... The way life works is he's the king and we're not. And to follow him means to welcome a king into your life who comes not with overwhelming power to crush you, but actually who comes to die on a cross 
to take your place, to take the punishment that you deserve. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This Jesus, the great King, comes and dies so that people like us living in darkness can see a great light, can be transferred out of a kingdom of darkness, and by submitting ourselves to the redemptive reign of Jesus, by coming under his authority, can have new life in a new kingdom. And Jesus is calling all people everywhere, come, turn, follow him. And let me speak for a moment to the believers here. We don't want to move too quickly past soils one, two, and three. It might be easy to just check the box and say, oh, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. I'm a Christian. I must be soil number four. But there can be tendencies in our hearts for all these four soils all at the same time, can't there? I don't know about you. I don't know what happens. But when I go to sleep at night, it's like there's this, something happens while I'm asleep and, and I go from good soil to hard path, rocky, weedy soil, all while I'm asleep. And I wake up and I don't know what's happened, but it's like, there's no God, there's no kingdom. I'm not a Christian. My mind is all over the place. My emotions are all over the place. I want to know what the weather is and what's happening with the nationals and how I can have fun and please myself. And I get disoriented in the mornings. And I find tendencies to all these soils inside of me. I find there are things that go on that make me hard-hearted and things that can dry out the life of God in me and things that can choke out that life. And so we want to ask ourselves questions. What are you putting in your heart that leaves you dry? What's, what's seeping in there that's choking out the word of Christ? Where are you spending time on your screens? or in activities that when you're done, it's drained away the love of Christ and filled you with something else. We live in the midst of cares and riches and pleasures, shopping and Instagram and TikTok. And did you remember to change the oil in the car? And what if I don't pass that test? And who has better produce? Do you go to Aldi's or shoppers? And by the time you get through just doing life, sometimes without even realizing it, the kingdom of God is just being choked out by all the things that we're involved in. Brothers and sisters, this is a matter of life and death. The only difference between these four soils, can you see it? There's only one difference. Do you know what it is? The only difference between these four soils is the word and where it finds its place into a person's life. That's the only difference. Does the word make its way into our hearts? Do we hold it for dear life, never letting go through thick and thin, through prosperity and adversity, through youth and middle age and old age, do we hold fast to this word? Justin was kind enough to mention this is my birthday. 
Thank you for doing that. I, it's my 62nd birthday today, and I know that puts me a little high on the scale here with you all. I don't feel old. I got some gas in the tank, but I am definitely older, and I feel that. And I want to stand here today as somebody who has been walking by God's grace with Jesus since I was in my late teens. And, and I want to say, I want to proclaim to you that what Jesus is saying here is true by my experience and there is no power in the life of a believer like the power of the word taking root in your heart. Get it in your heart. Fight for it with all you've got. Learn how to meditate on the word. Read the Word. Soak in the Word. Memorize the Word. If you wake up in the middle of the night, find ways to get the Word going in the middle of the night. If you're in your car for long drives, find ways to get the Word functioning there. Keep the Word in your heart. Keep it in your life. This is a matter of life and death. Hear the old guy saying, the good life is the life Jesus is describing here. Hold it tightly. Keep it in your heart. You'll bear fruit with patience. So what's the secret? What's the secret Jesus has for us here? Well, it has to do with people in the crowd who hear the word and respond with saving faith and others don't. Isn't it strange that Jesus, can you imagine hearing Jesus give a sermon? And some people sign up and some people, eh, and some people hate him and want to kill him. The secret of the kingdom is this. Jesus' message of the kingdom meets with varied responses. See that. Jesus' message of the kingdom meets with varied responses. It's present with power to save and it can also be rejected. It doesn't come with overwhelming power. He doesn't come and just destroy evil with a breath like he could and like he will one day. The gospel is the power of God to give people a new start and a whole new life in a whole new kingdom to be born again to a living hope through this good news. That kingdom is here today, but it must be received in order for it to make a difference and it can be rejected. The message of the kingdom meets with varied responses. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? One more question. Who's the sower in the story? If you've ever been to Sunday school or taught Sunday school, you know the immediate answer. What is it? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer to every Sunday school question. And that's the right answer to this question. Who's the sower? It's Jesus. Now, here's the second question. If Jesus isn't here now, how's the word going to get out? Who's the sower now? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's the king. He's got that authority. So what does he want his disciples to do? Take the word to the nations. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. I love Acts 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered, who, was got, who got scattered? Regular old Christians, through some persecution, got scattered. And what did they do? They went about preaching the word. Just regular old disciples like us, regular people. They weren't famous. They weren't 
12 apostles, they were just regular people. We have been given the privilege of not only being soil to receive the word, but being sowers to spread the word. God uses ordinary people like you and me to sow the word of the gospel. So here's a question. Do you see yourself as a sower? Do you think of yourself in those terms, right? You're a farmer, just throwing seeds out there, letting God do what he will do with the results. Do you see yourself as the kind of person who has this good news that God wants to spread around through you to people around you? You don't know how they're going to respond and you can't control that, but you can put that good seed out there and see what happens. This God who loves the world so much to send his son, loves the world so much to send his son's disciples into the world with this good news. And we get to do that. Now this can be hard. I can shrink back from this. So maybe just another couple questions for ourselves. Why don't I share? What keeps me from that? What might hold me back? Do I feel like I'm a hypocrite? Do I fear how people might respond to me? Do I maybe not know what to say? Maybe I just don't even know any unbelievers to talk to. I just want to encourage you, just let the Spirit work in you in this and pray about this. Bring this to the Lord. We want to be the kind of people who just develop friendships with people who aren't Christians and just love them, take an interest, ask what they're about, ask what they're passionate about, ask what their lives are about, ask what they're interested in. And you know what? You do that and sometimes they ask you back. And then we can just simply and genuinely tell them about this great Jesus and what he's done for us. Parents, kids at home, you get to be farmers, sowers with your kids. And I just want to encourage you, seize this moment. You'll be surprised how fast it goes by. And I want to encourage you to be sowing this good word into the lives of your kids, not just when they're in trouble and done something wrong, but formatively shaping them with this as God is shaping you. To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom. This wonderful message of the gospel, this kingdom message, it meets with varied responses. It's kind of surprising. It's present with power to save. It's here. It's now. It's saving. It can also be rejected. So, two thoughts for application just to tie up what we've just, just been looking at here. First, remember your soil, okay? Your dirt. I say that with a smile on my face. I'm dirt too. We're all dirt, okay? So since we're dirt, since we're soil, oh, brothers and sisters, let us watch over our hearts. Let us fill our hearts with the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Since we're soil, let us watch our hearts and fill it with the word of God. And since we're sowers, well, let us speak the word of God to one another. We need to build one another up with this word, but also to our neighbors. As you're scattered throughout the city this week, and that might be in person or virtually, whatever that looks like, let us go about ready to sow this good word wherever the Lord gives opportunity, speaking the word of Christ that gives life for all who have ears to hear. Amen.
So we want to transition now to having the Lord's Supper, which is also a kingdom experience. And so I want to just read from Luke 22 and verse 14, 15, and 16 as we prepare to have the Lord's Supper. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Luke 22 and just look at these couple of verses because these will help us understand the kingdom and these are words that we want working in our hearts. When the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled. You see what it says? In the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, that means the now and the not yet are right there in front of us, right there at that meal and right here at this meal that we're about to have here. This little meal that we're about to have is a reminder that Jesus is our king now here. It's a reminder that Jesus died for our sins on the cross that he was heading to in Luke 22. It's a reminder that he died for our sins but rose for our justification. It's a reminder that he is here with us by his spirit to sustain us and empower us to bear fruit with patience. So the Lord's Supper is a gift in a kingdom now, but it's also a reminder and a hope of a kingdom coming. Don't you love what he says? I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You know what that means? That means when he eats it again, you and I are going to be there with him at the wedding supper of the Lamb, the greatest banquet in history in the new heavens and the new earth. And it won't be a little cup and a little cracker. It's going to be the best meal ever in the presence of our great king. That's the until. That's coming. He's waiting for that. And one day he's coming back for that. And we are looking forward to that even now as we trust him as his family. And in a moment when we have this, I just want to say this is a family meal for the followers of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, again, thanks for being here. You're welcome in this place. And I just want to encourage you, wouldn't be appropriate to participate in this if you're not a follower of Christ, but it would be appropriate for you just reflect on your life and reflect on his claims to be king over your life going to pray and when I'm done praying the table with the elements is over there you're free to go get the elements whenever you're ready and take them uh, when, on your own whenever you're ready but let's pray our great God and King Jesus Christ risen from the dead we love you we love serving you we love knowing that you will return for us and we pray that this small meal will strengthen us. And we pray that this coming week we can be a people of the word with good hearts, holding your word fast, and where you give us opportunity, scattering it around to the people around us. For the glory of your great name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.